You're now listening to episode 44 of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Brandon Hall and Thomas Costelli here today with real estate mogul and mastermind expert Rock Thomas. They say 80% of success is mindset and only 20% is tactical. So today we're going to discuss what's holding you back, goal setting, how to structure your day for success, the importance of getting around the right people, and much more. From humble beginnings on a small Canadian farm near Montreal, Rock Thomas became a self-made millionaire, running several successful businesses and six award-winning Remax franchises. After achieving epic financial success, showered with accolades and awards, Rock embarked on a quest for personal growth, traveling the world and studying with acclaimed teachers like Tony Robbins, T. Harv Eckerd, Stephen Covey, and many others. He absorbed success systems, life and business strategies, and countless life-changing experiences. After assimilating all he learned and talking with people from all walks of life who are seeking to do more, he founded Rock Thomas International to bring the best of the best to the world. With April 15th officially behind you, it's never been a better time to start tax planning for 2019 and the years ahead. Our Tax Strategy Foundation Engagement is a multiple call series that walks you through the tax strategies you'll need to reduce your tax bills. At the end of the series, we'll give you a tax strategy blueprint that summarizes each strategy and what actions you'll need to take to implement them. And if you need assistance throughout the year, our team is there to help you every step of the way. There's no need to pay more taxes than necessary. Head over to therealestatecpa.com and fill out the form on the Become a Client page to get started today. And without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode. Rock, it's a pleasure to have you on today. Could you give our listeners a brief overview of your background, including your real estate experience and how you got to where you are currently today? So I grew up on a farm in Canada, worked for 20 years from the age of eight and a half to 28 and a half, really hard in manual labor, uh, carpenter, painting, taxi driving, bartending, busboy, all that kind of good stuff. But I managed to buy my first property when I was 22 or 23, which was a, a home where there was four handicapped people in it. Um, I had just bankrupt a restaurant and I was looking for a way to get money back to pay back my mom the $20,000 that I borrowed from her. And I became creative by buying a place for $2,000 on a credit card and a balance of sale of $60,500. But the revenue was $2,400 per month, which allowed me to pay everything, have some cash flow, and I still had a full-time job and a side hustle. I went from that to uh, upgrading to a larger senior citizen home, then bought a townhouse, rented that out, then moved into a home. Then my father got cancer when I was 28 and a half. Fast forward story, two years later, I lost everything. I didn't know how to manage it. I didn't have a good mindset. I played the victim. I panicked. I got mad at people. I got depressed. I did everything that wrong, basically. I went to the bar when I was unhappy, went to the bar when I was happy, and really just mismanaged all my funds. And then my life changed. Then when I decided to get into real estate, I met a mentor who uh, helped me learn how to sell real estate and go from working hard to working smart. You talked about it before the show, the Robert Kiyosaki. I'm a huge fan of him. I had a dream one day to meet him. Uh, and it happened. It came true last year when I actually shared the stage with him here in Phoenix, Arizona. And we did, a, uh, did an event together. 
But that's kind of fast forward to the end of where I'm at today. I learned how to sell real estate through modeling somebody who was really good at it. He was actually a CPA and he was really good with numbers. He was really good with structure. He was really good with systems. So I was really open student and I became very good. I sold one home the first year, then 32, 45, 65, then 100. I broke every record there was. And then he sold me his company and I took it from 94 agents to 270, sold a billion dollars a year. I've sold almost 90,000 homes in my lifetime through my different real estate operations. I own commercial, student housing, buy, flip, renovate, burn method, you name it. I pretty much touch it in real estate. I'm a big believer of real estate. Virtually everything else I've done in the stock market and other things like that have worked not very good. So I keep on coming back to real estate and um, that's my main lane. I do have other online products and stuff like that that work very well. But real estate, I think, is a place, you know, like the old saying goes, you don't wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and you wait. I say, I'd have to agree with that statement. Glad to hear that, uh, you know, you're in the real estate industry and uh, you had a successful career and now you're helping others, you know, kind of advance their careers and make their careers better. Um, so on this podcast, we tend to be a little bit more analytical in the way we do things. But obviously, we get a little bit more technical into like the accounting and tax side of things. But mindset is definitely important if you're in the real estate game. You know, one of the biggest shifts I had as I got to my first deal was getting over the fear of failure and uh, or the fear that you know I didn't know enough and that if I started taking action, I'd also have a deal under contract and no capital for the deal. And really uh, getting over that mindset shift is really what what got me into that first deal. So I I guess my question to you would be is, could you tell us a little about the biggest thing you see holding real estate investors back from success and and what they can do to take their game to the next level? Well, I'd chunk it up to what holds people back in general. And what people don't understand is how the mind works. The mind is wired to protect you. Its basic job is survival. And it uses fear as its tool. So anything that's outside of what you know, uh, I don't know how to raise capital. I don't know if the building inspection is going to go well. I don't know if the tenants are going to pay on time. I don't know how to fix a leaky toilet. All of those things are tools of fear that the mind uses to get you to stay safe. If you don't have the ability to overcome that, you won't take action. Most people don't take action because they haven't learned that there's a difference between winning and losing and winning and learning. If you put yourself into a learning mode, you're willing to take action. The guy who swings the bat and misses doesn't go back to the dugout thinking, I'm a loser. He goes back and says, what did I learn about that pitch? How do I get better prepared for the next one? At least the guy's being paid millions of dollars. The guys that don't make it, they go back and say, I am a loser. I wrote a book called The Power of Your Identity, the words that follow, I am, follow you. So if you say, I am not good with numbers, I am not a good investor, I don't know where to source capital. I'm concerned about you know messing the deal up. Or like you said, Thomas, I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of success. What if I become successful and I leave my friends behind? What are they going to think of me? What if I have to manage the, the nice car and the new insurance? And what if people try to steal from me and take from me? All of those things, guess what? Your mind will serve up to you absolutely free, unsolicited, 24 freaking hours a day, Over and over and over, you wake up in the morning, boom, the buffet is full of what ifs might happen to you. And most people eat from that buffet every freaking day, and that's why their life is average. They do. I have 37 streams of income. 
I have multiple properties because I consider myself a master at getting myself to override the unnecessary exaggeration of fear that the mind provides for us, right? I'll give you an example. If you take your family camping and you hear a rustling in the bushes, do you think that somebody's walking through the bushes with a bag of a million dollars cash to bring to you as a gift? Or does your mind go, I better turn around because it might be a bear or something like that and protect myself, right? You know the answer to that rhetorical question. Your brain does not serve up. Oh, I guess a million dollars is going to be flipped down, come to me. Oh, I guess this person is going to walk up to me and offer me an opportunity to make 25% of my money with no risk. The brain is always campaigning on the other side. So we must find a way to campaign the other way. And that's what I spent my life studying. So in that situation, you're going to go into the bush to see if there's a million bucks? No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to become a master of meaning. I'm going to, when my brain says, this may be a bear, I'm going to go, okay, let's turn around and see if it's a bear, but take a deep breath because oh, it. it's a bear. I need to be prepared, but I don't need to be stupid, right? Yeah. I need to be resourceful. So my goal is always to become as resourceful based on the circumstances. When Tom Brady has a key receiver go down, he doesn't go, I'm screwed. He says, how do I innovate? How do I adapt? Right. How do I create opportunity? And that's what the entrepreneur does. No, it's a great message. So what, what are some other things that you, or maybe what are some techniques that you use to maybe recognize that specific fact of, okay, either I'm being too pessimistic here, or I'm not seeing the entire picture, I'm missing the opportunity. I guess, how do you, how do you one, recognize it? And then two, what do you do to get over it and focus on the positive or the opportunity at hand? Yeah, great question, Brandon. Um, so what you do is you, you think, what's the worst thing that could happen? And can I live with that? I think it's worth it to go there so that you can fetter out the fear. You do the job of the mind before the mind's going to do it for you. So you think, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? I buy this apartment building and blah, 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 goes wrong. And I lose my shirt and I go bankrupt. And no, but I'm going to put it in an LLC so I won't go bankrupt. And then you start to hedge yourself and protect yourself. You build up your fortress and you make it better. And then emotionally, you know what the worst case scenario is. And then you're more willing to take action. Most people don't fetter that out. So in back in their mind, they're going, what did I forget? Uh, what, what didn't I think about? Well, what could happen? So you guys are experienced. If I'm going to invest and I have no experience, but I partnered with one of you guys, you guys could do all of that heavy lifting for me. Does that make sense? I could rely on your systems of protection that would protect me until I have the ability. We say me, we, they. So at first, you're doing it while I'm watching. Then I'm doing it while you're watching and correcting me and giving me feedback until I'm capable to do it on my own. It's no different than learning how to walk or talk. Except people, when we become adults, we don't think that we need that guidance anymore. Like, oh, I'll, I'll go do that on my own. Uh, I'll, I'll write a book. I'll, I'll, I'll buy an apartment building. Ego and pride gets in the way. Become a humble student. The greatest leaders are humble students and learn from experts like you guys. Love it. Love it. All right. So goals are obviously very important in this conversation and just for success in general, whether you're flipping homes, buying multifamily properties, regardless of what you're doing, you have to have goals. What tips do you have for number one, setting goals? And then how often do you recommend that folks review their goals? So I don't know if everybody will see this, but this is a document that I have. It's called the one sheet. 
And it has all my main goals on it. My finances, my eight gardens of my life, my bucket list adventures. It, you know, you can't improve what you don't measure. So I have my weight on there. And every 90 days, I update this document. But every week, I look at it. Every week. I do a thing called the Sunday System for Success. And I look at it and I make sure that I am pulling from it. Why? There's a thing called the reticular activating system, which is a part of your brain that seeks things out. Now, I'll give you an example. When I was selling real estate, uh, I had a goal to sell 100 homes and to play 100 games of golf. On October 25th, I'm in Canada. It starts to snow. The golf courses close. I go, okay, I'm out of luck. But I had set that goal and I looked at it every week in my document. I'm walking down the hallway and I hear a guy in the office goes, you know, John canceled. We can't. Uh, we need to find an eighth guy to come down to Florida to play two games of golf for seven days every day because we've already paid for it. We've got to find that guy who's going to cover those expenses. Immediately, my brain went 14 games, 85 was 14, 99. I walk into the kitchen where the guys are. I go, I'm in. I didn't ask how much. I didn't ask where. I didn't ask when. I just knew it had to happen. And this is where you override the fear of your brain because you have a bigger compelling thing called your goal. By the way, Brandon, goals are just problems you choose to solve. If you're going to run a marathon, you've said to yourself, I'm going to choose to get the right equipment, the right shoes. I'm going to, I'm going to practice three times a week. I'm going to learn about nutrition. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to pay the cost of $40 to run the marathon, blah, blah, blah. You chose those obstacles by setting a goal for it. When you choose an obstacle to, a goal to buy an apartment building, you're telling your brain, I want to learn how to do a building inspection, fill out the documents, get financing. So why do people bitch and complain? That's the part that gets me. Oh, I want to buy an apartment building. Oh, but it's so difficult. I don't understand it. What you bitch about, you tolerate, you get. So when you set a goal, don't bitch about the problems that come with it or uncommit from that goal. So I went and I shot, I played the 99 games of golf. And on December 31st, I had 96 sales. And somehow I sold five properties that day for 101. And this is documented. This is true. And people are like, well, why do you think that happened? Because when you make a declaration to the universe and you say, here's what I want to do. I want to sell 100 homes. I want to you know, have a great, amazing relationship. I want to do all these things. And the guy beside you is not telling the universe what he wants. The universe goes, well, I guess John over there doesn't really have any goals. Let's send all the resources to rock. So that's why you got to set goals in writing. You got to talk about them. You got to share them with people that care, not with dream you know, stealers and haters and put it out into the ecosystem and then charge forward toward it. Look at it on a regular basis. So, so you document your goals on the one sheet. What types of things are on that sheet? Yeah. So I've got, for instance, my past victories, uh, an event we held in Breckenridge, an event I did in Mexico last month. I just bought a home in Phoenix and uh, I hired three new key people for my team. So I'm excited about that. And then I believe that you get motivated by having a compelling future. So I'm buying a new condo on the 44th floor of this beautiful luxury building down in Montreal that I'm going to get later in the year. I'm going to buy two new cars this year. I'm going to start a podcast and I'm enjoying more time at home. So I have my future things that excite me. Now, when it comes to areas of my life, I have health and nutrition, lifestyle, business and career, finance, investment, spiritual, personal growth, friends, families, relationships, and environment and tribe. Those are the eight categories. And I put different things into them. So for instance, financial investment, just give you a quick example. I want to buy more real estate, about $3 million this year. And um, I have about $1.5 million in hard money loans. I want to keep on turning that, turning that, and be conscious of when it's maturing to have some, you know, the, the powder dry to put into another investment. 
So I just wrote those two things. So I have it top of mind. When it comes to health and nutrition, I live in the desert now. So I've got H2O. Be very conscious to drink more water. So I have that. And I'm working on my awareness. What are my patterns? What am I doing? When do I get lose energy? When do I get angry? The two emotions I'm trying to move away from are disappointment and frustration. Those are the two ones that I notice I have the most because I have high standards. I like to believe I do. And then I get disappointed. There's a handyman supposed to be here this morning. You know, oh, now he's coming at one o'clock. We'll see, right? So I risk being disappointed, but do I want to give up my energy and my happiness to some outside element or do I want to maintain it by being more aware? So those are a couple of examples. Interesting. And so you review that once a week. Why once a week? Why not once a day or once a month? Well, I do a ritual called the Sunday System for Success where I spend 90 minutes on every Sunday looking over it all. And then I drop it into my calendar so that I have my week on my laptop with all my appointments, right? And then whatever is important to me here has already been decided and scheduled on my calendar. So for instance, I'll play golf three times this week. I don't need to revisit that. When I wake up in the morning, I know I have a tea time on Thursday morning at 8.20 with John, Bob, and Joe. I already have set what my intention is and what's going to happen there. Will it be fun? Will it be competitive? You know, Or will I work on something specific? The ritual happens on Sunday. I take everything there and I emotionalize it into my week. And then now it's about execution throughout the week. Guys, so you know, it sounds like you know you 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 mentally prepare yourself for the week ahead on that Sunday through that ritual, which actually leads into our next question, which is actually perfect for this: is how do you structure your days for maximum productivity? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of people know this, but some people don't. Is you got to understand that we have only so much energy to spend in a day. Decisions require energy, so I do the best I can to limit my decisions. And I do them in advance. What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I going to do? The first four hours of your day, I try to compact into creativity and into exercise because those will be the most productive mentally for you. In the afternoons, I try to do more play things and things that are low-level decision-making elements, maybe some paperwork, uh, things like that of that nature, or spend time with the kids or goofing off. And then I usually get a second wind in the evening where, where I like to do something that, again, is more creative. I spend a lot of time on content and stuff like that. So for me, the day has, um, I say to people, tell me what you do before 8 o'clock in the morning and after 8 o'clock at night, I can predict the financial future for the rest of your life. So why do I say that? I think most people bluff their way through 9 to 5. You're at the office, you're moving stuff, your wife knows you're not going to be home or your husband, whatever. Uh, you can sit at your desk and check Facebook and do different things. But what you do in the morning and afterwards is going to define you. So are you checking your finances on a regular basis? Are you writing a book? I wrote my book an hour every morning. Five o'clock, I get up at five and I wrote a book for an hour, a page or a portion of it for two years. So you can really make a difference in your life what you do first thing in the morning. And it's really important to recap the end of the day, to capture what worked, what didn't work, how to improve it, and then to be able to bring that forward with energy and enthusiasm for the next day. That sounds like an excellent way to structure the day. You know, one thing I just a follow up question there is when it comes to actually structuring out your day and the activities you do throughout the day, how do you do you put big blocks, say, for certain tasks? How much tasks per day do you allow yourself to do so you're not like, you know, getting ADHD type of thing? You know, Thomas, it's changed over time. Um, today, I'm fortunate that I have most of my staff. I don't work in my business. I work on my business. So a lot of my, like yesterday, I'll give you an example. 
I got up five o'clock, I meditated, did a little stretching, had something to eat, and then went to the gym for an hour. Then they came back and I did a couple of hours with my team on some planning. And then I went to the golf course and I played 18 holes. Then I went for my drumming lesson. Then I came back. I went back to the gym. I did hot yoga. I went swimming. And then I came back home. And I had another hour where I did a live broadcast. And I think I watched half an hour of Everybody Loves Raymond because that guy cracks me up. And then I went to my room and I, um, I read for about 45 minutes. And then I journaled and went to bed. So the blocks are different. When back in the day when I was working on my building my Remax franchise, it was get up, run around with the kids, young kids. I was at that stage of my life. I didn't have the same rituals or routines, but I was in the office early. And the thing that I did that I think most people miss out is the first two hours of my day was what I call business building. Whatever I was doing, whatever business I have, the first two hours, find a new client. Find a new client, find a new deal, set an appointment with a new client for a new deal or something. But most people, they get busy work. They do paperwork, they shuffle this, they shuffle that. Because why? The mind wants to protect them from the unknown or from rejection. So they don't do the heavy lifting. I was the exact opposite. I would do the heavy lifting up front, secure two quality appointments that would make me money and then get to the minutiae. So I think that's probably a really important tip for most people because most people do the opposite. And that's why they're broke, they struggle. And, you know, they, they just aren't where they want to be. You know, I have to agree with that hundred percent, get the hardest, the most difficult thing you need to get done. The most important thing you need to get done early on in the day while your brain's still fresh, when you still have that energy and then leave all, like you said, the paperwork, the minutia, those emails, all that type of stuff towards the end of the day where, you know, you don't need your high cognitive function or need to be highly energized to get those type of things done. You know, which actually is another good transition into another good question. You know, so every once in a while, people start to face burnout. You know, they're going into the grind. I actually just watched the YouTube videos yesterday that popped up very timely. You know, you're going through the day-to-day routine and you get stuck in like this, uh, you get stuck in the grind where it's just like the same thing over and over and over again. Now, how do you, you know, what advice do you give people to stay on track and stay motivated over an extended stretch? of time to achieve a goal per se? Yeah, well, there's a bunch of tools I would give. I give one or two maybe. First of all, nothing is meaning but the meaning meaning we give it. And stress is a code word for fear. You know, the the successful person isn't fearful. They're stressful. I'm stressed out. And what they really are is they're fearful. And the type of person that is saying, well, if I don't make that deal, if I don't get everything done, then I'm not going to be as productive as I could be. So... What I say to people is you've got to decide what are the most important things that you're going to do, and you got to address those things first. But you also have to be somebody that can reframe meanings. So I'll give you an example is recently I had an accountant that disappeared on me, went in a burnout, okay, got kind of depressed, and for three weeks, I didn't know what was happening in my finances. So I had to take a deep breath, and then I had to just systematically work through everything. Now, could I have been pissed off at my family, my friends, and upset and anxious, not knowing where millions of dollars were, checks weren't being written, people weren't being paid, people were screaming and yelling. But the ability to reframe things and to change the meaning is a skill, and it's a practice, and it's a muscle. And if you don't practice it, you'll be a victim of the circumstances around you, and most of the time, you'll be very, very stressed. The second piece to that is that People aren't working on passive income. They're working on trying to make money to spend it. 
what I teach people is find ways to run your life the way that the richest man in Babylon talks about, which is pay yourself first. And from that, create investments, either in real estate or if you have better vehicles online or if you're like, you know, you can create a product or something that pays you multiple times. I wrote a book once. And every day that I open up my computer, money is in my bank account because people buy it on Amazon. What are you doing that creates repetitive money? And if you're not doing something, you're going to work harder for the rest of your life. So you've got to hit it two-prong. And then the final thing I'll say is Stephen Covey is very well known for you know things that are important and urgent tend to dominate most people's lives. So they're in the burnout zone, the grind zone, as you call it, where successful people... They plan enough in advance, so they're not doing their taxes on the 15th of April. They do them in advance, so they're in the important and not urgent box, and they're not stressed. Proactivity is, is certainly one way to avoid stress, and in waiting to the last minute uh, is definitely not a good idea, especially when you're dealing with taxes. Uh, as you just mentioned, this is something we often see people waiting till the last minute to get tax advice or wait right up until you know f- uh, 4-1. Uh, the April 1st to go talk to a CPA to get their taxes done and it causes a lot of stress. So definitely being proactive is one way to to avoid that stress. So um, before you run away on that one, let me talk to that because I've studied this is, but people do it over and over again. Why? There's a benefit. I call it the red zone. You ever, you know, think back to college. Did you ever cram for an exam? Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And did you end up doing okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For the most, for the most part. So the science behind it. In the book, The um, The Rise of Superman, he talks about the fact that when mentally we feel like we're under pressure, like there's a huge consequence, like if I don't get this exam done or I don't get this book done or whatever and submit it, I'll fail the class. The body actually can generate chemicals and hormones that make you have a higher capacity to perform. It's like Michael Jordan, the dying minutes of a game. He wants the ball because he knows that his system will generate norepinephrine, anandamide, and these chemicals that make him a higher performer. So think about it. You can do your taxes in February, but you're going to not be excited about it. You're not going to feel the pressure. You're going to be lazy. You're going to go, oh, God, I can watch TV. I can relax. But when it's two or three days, you're thinking, if I don't do it, there's going to be penalties. My account's calling me. Now you have this false sense of importance. You have access to chemicals you don't normally have in your body because you can't manufacture them yourself and you feel fully alive. And you get to tell people how important you are. No, honey, I can't. I have to do my taxes. You don't understand how busy I am. All this pressure I have. Back off. I can't change the diapers today. I'm so important. I have to go see the accountant. So there's all these micro benefits that people are not even conscious of that I've studied that keeps them stuck there. Because if I give you my Sunday system for success, most people won't do it because there's a payoff for staying the way they are. So if people really want to change and redefine themselves, they have to be willing to go below the surface of their behavior to see the belief system that's attached to it, annihilate that, replace it with a new one, and create an epic freaking result. And that's the part that excites me. I know exactly what you just said right now is is kind of like the zone that I'm always living in, right? Because I feel like if that yeah. pressure is not there, then I'm not performing, right? If I'm relaxed, if I'm calm, I'm not going to get the same amount of work done. I'm not going to put the same amount of effort into it. I'm not going to have those chemicals that you're saying to push me to that next level, like Michael Jordan in like game six or something like that. You um, feel like you're in the red zone, man. The game is on. Two minutes left. You got to throw the play. You got to make it happen. 
you feel alive. All eyes are on you, dude. I'm telling you, this people live their life this way and they get adrenaline in their body and then they have a couple of cups of coffee and they now feel so fully alive. Otherwise, oh, um, do my the taxes. Who wants to do the taxes? So we teach people get excited and find a way to generate those chemicals so you can perform like Tom Brady does. Tom Brady practices every play. He wrote about this in his book. Every play like it's the Super Bowl play. He builds that muscle. When you pay the price of practice in private, you will perform like a pro. But if you don't practice that way, then how you do anything is how you do everything. 100% agree there. So just, uh, we have just a few more questions left. You know, so as the cliche goes, you know, you hang out with five broke people, you're going to be the fifth. And if you hang out with five wealthy people, you are going to be the sixth wealthy person in, in that instance. Uh, how important is it to surround yourself with the right type of people that are going to pull you forward rather than hold you back? It's everything. Because, you know, I, I, I've realized that in my life when I'm surrounding myself with the right people, these people pull me forward. Like I was talking about kind of earlier in the podcast with that first deal I did when I was kind of flying solo or, or around the wrong people, around my friends who didn't believe that you could make this type of stuff happen, that real estate was possible, that you could build wealth and, you know, all that type of thing. I wasn't going, I was spinning my wheels. But then when when you know I got surrounded by the people who are doing deals, who are making this stuff happen, they kind of pulled me forward into into that light. And I just felt you know, surrounding yourself by the right people and getting yourself around the right players, you will be able to see much faster than you would if you're by yourself or even worse if you were with people who can't, who, who are pulling you back kind of. Right. And the reason behind that is that as humans, we all want to belong and connect. And we will give up our values to belong and connect. We've all been at a party... And somebody says, oh, come on, you're not leaving already. Have one more beer. And you're like, no, I'm good. Thanks. I'm really good. No, come on, man. Shots, shots, shots. And you're like, oh, God, no. And like, come on, man. And you go through the dilemma of, do I want to belong and connect and be with my buddies? Or do I want to, you know, have a hangover tomorrow or eat another cheeseburger or whatever it is? So those are kind of the negative effects. When we're growing up, you know, our parents all said to us, don't hang out with little Johnny. He's a bad influence on you because we want to belong and connect. So the secret is to find the people that have the result that you want and you will be pulled forward. The tide rises all ships. I was playing golf yesterday and normally I play the white tees and the blue tees are further back. And this guy steps up and he goes, I'm playing the blues. And I go, okay, I'll come back there with you. And I found myself being more focused. I found myself you know, having to be more on and resourceful versus la la, this is a short par four. And I stepped up my game. So if you want to step up your game in, in your life, the simple formula for you, because you're, you're never going to be around always people ahead of you. And you don't want you, by the way, because then your self-esteem will take a hit. But third of the time, be with people that are smarter, faster, better, healthier, more intelligent, richer than you. A third of the time, be running with the people that are at your level. And a third of the time, be with people that need your help. So you can learn how to teach and you can also notice what you know and how you're communicating that. Be with people you're running with so that you're kind of in that tribe at that energy pace that keeps you, you know, running a marathon at your pace versus trying to stay up with the lead pack. But then every once in a while, hang out with these people that are richer, smarter, better, wiser, better connections, et cetera. And then you're like, okay, that's my future self. Love it. All right. Last question for you. What kind of general advice do you have for investors who are looking to achieve success in all areas of their life? General advice for investors in all areas of their life. Um, 
Get your ass in the gym. Number one. Interesting. Why? Well, it's really a Richard Branson saying he was asked, what's the number one thing that entrepreneurs could do to improve their life? And um, he said, get their ass in the gym, basically. Um, You know, I work out probably 10 times a week. I'm 56 years old, but I beat on a consistent basis people in their 20s in push-up contests. I work out at the airport. I do things that are a little bit outside of the, the realm. Why? Because I believe energy is the edge. When was the last time you saw like a really successful person that was slouched over, tired, complaining of, of not having energy, looked lethargic? Um, we respect, I think, people that respect themselves. So if you want to be successful, I would say fall back in love with yourself, which includes your body, and be intelligent. Most people know more about their cars than they do about how their body operates. And just because it's common doesn't mean that it's common sense. So just because people eat at McDonald's, does that mean it's good for you? It's not. It's shit. It's junk. It's crap. And 50% of your energy comes from the food you digest. So I could go on a rant on health and energy, but I'd say that overall, that would be the first place I would go, is work on your energy and your well-being because the decisions you're going to make are going to come from the mindset you have and your ability to respond later in the day, most people are already fading. So that's just one avenue. I could go on on other things. Like you can't improve what you don't measure. You guys are accountants, so you know this. So I say, look at your numbers on a regular basis. And that includes everything. What are you doing to build your business? What are you doing to stay in touch with your mom? What are you doing to get yourself into a yoga class and work on your stretching if you're over 30? measure things. And the brain likes to improve things. It gets excited about progress. So have things moving in the right direction. I was 17 years in real estate and I improved my sales and revenue 17 uh, years in a row because I monitored things and I used it as a carrot. So most people don't know their numbers because they it's work and they don't know the benefits. But I can tell you that I knew it. I made $40 every time I picked up the phone as a realtor. $40 every time I picked up the phone. Let's say it again. I knew I made $40 every time I picked up the phone. Now, 97% of those times, I was met with not now, later, not interested, but I knew that it would lead to three listings, two sales, and it would make $40 every call. And I focused on it. How excited I go. If I just pick it up, I make 40 bucks. Let's go, baby. But most people, they call for two hours in a day. They get no progress. They have nothing to measure it by. They get discouraged and they quit the next day. So they make $0 per call because they didn't measure it and they weren't able to use it as a motivation. So, I mean, I could go all day long on things people can do to improve, but there's a few. You know, I definitely agree with the numbers 100%. You know, we always tell people here at The Real Estate CPA, if you know your numbers, you know, if you know how much money you're making, you know what your expenses are, um, you're going to be able to make decisions to optimize your business and improve your business. But if you don't really know those numbers and you don't really pay attention to it, you really don't care, you're never really going to know where you are and you're kind of going to be, I don't want to say misguided, but you're not going to have a path to really go on because everything's coming from the gut and not those proven numbers. So uh, getting your data together, whether it's accounting, whether it's your real estate investments or, or the other aspects of your life that Rock was just talking about, definitely very important. Um, before we wrap up today, how can our listeners find more information about you if they were interested in, in doing so? RockThomas.com is my website. You go there, you get a free copy of my book. You go to social media, all the handles, Rock Thomas, and you'll find me there as well. And uh, rock at rockthomas.com if you want to email me and ask me any questions. 
I do a lot of lives on Facebook as well. So if you find uh, my different Facebook groups, Rock Thomas International is one of them. And I do a Ask Rock Anything once a week. And I teach people my Sunday system for success. All I do it all for free. So they can find me in any of those places and Amazon books and stuff like that as well. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on the show, Rock, um, and sharing your knowledge with our listeners. I'm sure they're going to love this. A uh, nice little break from the more technical type of stuff we normally do. Yeah, my pleasure. And um, it, was, uh, it was nice to chat with you guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.